tuning in to part two of this special three-part series discussing menopause in the workplace and its impact on both employees and employers on the 100% Hustle podcast on the Michigan Business Network. I'm your host, Vicki Hamilton, and I'm talking with Julie Dennis, director and lead trainer for Menopause at Work from the UK. And from stateside joining me are both Julie Holton, principal strategist and owner of M Connections Marketing Agency, and Dr. Yulia Malayev, OBGYN at Metro Obstetrics and Gynecology. In part one of this three-part series, we learned that menopause symptoms are responsible for a whopping $1.8 billion of lost productivity annually in the United States, and the necessity to address menopause when developing diversity, equity, and inclusion policies for employers. Today in part two, we are going to discuss menopause symptoms and their impact on performance and how they manifest in the workplace and what adjustments or accommodations employers can introduce. Dr. Malayev, can you talk to us a little bit more about menopause? Menopause is this tricky condition that starts after a woman has finished her menstruation. However, I think the perimenopausal transition is really the difficult part for women. Menopausal symptoms or perimenopausal symptoms can be broken up into two different things. One of them is the GSM, the genitourinary syndrome of menopause, and the other one is the vasomotor symptoms of menopause. There are some other things that go along with it, but most things can be broken down into those two categories. Within our workplace, Really, the vasomotor symptoms are the ones that are going to be the most bothersome because it's visible. You can't tell if you're uncomfortable when you're sitting down, if everything is internal. But when you've turned bright red, when you're suddenly drenched in sweat, when you're having a thermostat war with your five partners like I have here, like when the two gentlemen that are from the Middle East like to keep it toasty and the other people are perimenopausal ladies, it's very challenging to have a thermostat war. We do have three units, but it's still tricky. Other symptoms that you know people may face are disturbed sleep, disturbed memory, disturbed concentration, because if you're not getting that restful recharging every single night, it's going to be hard for you to give of yourself to your fullest ability at your job and in your personal life. In a recent Forbes article, we saw that maybe like 26% of the workforce is affected by this. 55% of working women may be affected by this because they may have issues meeting their production targets or being retained at their jobs because their medical condition, their perimenopausal transition is so challenging for them that they don't know how to reach out and get the support that they need. And typically that's hitting them at the pinnacle of their career. This is the time that they should be transitioning into the C-suite, but instead they're transitioning into their job where it doesn't matter if they're sweaty or messy or disorganized because they physically cannot stay up with it without getting medical intervention or taking the time off that they need. Especially as we're looking into the uh, breaking the glass ceiling and advancement for women. And then all of a sudden we're starting to talk about this time when you put in the work, you've put in the years, you've got the experience. And that's usually when you start moving into the C-suite. And then all of a sudden your body starts behaving differently and you're asking yourself, what's wrong with me? And a lot of the times women of a menopause age don't necessarily understand that large, large variety of symptoms that are all under this menopause or perimenopause umbrella. 
because we talk about so openly hot flashes. It's in all of the rhetoric and in sitcoms and in dramas, uh, hot flashes or insomnia and sweating, all of these things. But what we don't talk about is the brain fog or confusion, even fluctuating sort of sugar levels in your own body that can cause you to behave a little differently. You become forgetful. And all of those things, when you are being vetted for the top position in an organization, look more like you are not capable of doing that job. If you can't remember something, you can't remember a word that you need, and then you start getting questioned about your performance when the fact of the matter is that you are experiencing something. It's not that there's something wrong with you. It's that you are managing to navigate something that you are naturally going through. But we don't even question it ourselves. Uh, A lot of folks are going to find clinical answers they're thinking there's something wrong with them. They got dementia because they can't remember anything or that they've got like cardiac issues because they're having heart palpitations. And yet all of these are contributors to this, this larger transition. And I think we need to do more education and more awareness around this so that folks don't say what's wrong with me. They understand that there is, this is a part of something bigger and that is nothing to be feared. But I feel that it's been spoon fed and you're only really looking for more information when you're going through it yourself. Julie Dennis, can you talk a little bit more about the workplace and sort of normalizing the conversation about menopause? Well, I think, you know, you said it yourself there, Vicky, normalising it's very much around education and changing our idea of what menopause is. You know, any images of menopause we see in the media, it's always a middle-aged white woman fanning herself, right? <laughs> and it's time we expanded our narrative around that. That is not what menopause is about. And some people don't even have hot flushes. You know, the studies in the UK have shown that the symptoms that tend to have the most impact at work are the fatigue, the poor concentration, anxiety, insomnia, problems of recall. And I always think, you know, if you just the menopause symptoms down to one. What you last left with this is this lack of confidence, lack of confidence in your ability to perform as well as you have done in the past and in your ability to, to manage relationships too. So I think it does really very much begin with education for everybody. You know, at school, we weren't, or certainly here in the UK, we're not taught about menopause. You know, we talk about the beginning of the fertility journey, but no information is given about what happens at the other end for men or for women, actually, although that is beginning to change here now, which is one of the reasons why we need to plug this education gap in the workplace, help people to understand what they're going through is normal. In the same way, when teenagers behave in a certain way, we give them some slack, right? Because you recognize that not all their behavior is within their control. It's about these roller coaster hormones. And it's exactly the same with adult people going through menopause. We need to give them some slack, some understanding and some support. I feel that I really relate to what you just said. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make this personal, but I was going down the roller coaster with you there. One of the things that you said, I just want to restate the idea of losing confidence. Mm. That is significant. And that hit me hard when you said it, because I think that is very true of a lot of my peers. And as we've had conversations I too have noticed a a lull in confidence in places. And so thank you for bringing that to the table. One of the um, statistics that I came across is that 13% of women exit the workforce because of the symptoms of menopause. And that's a significant attrition of skills and expertise 
that could really help businesses continue their their growth and expansion. And so we do, as business owners, need to be more mindful of how we manage women at this stage. I would also like to go back to something that Dr. Malayev said and then address it to you, Julie uh, Dennis, is that um, Dr. Malayev had mentioned about uh, having one control for the um, the temperature control previously. And, um, and I think that there is a difference. I mean, culturally, we come from different places, we come from different weather systems, and we experiencing we're experiencing things a little differently. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about what you've garnered on the intersectionality of culture and menopause, please? Yeah, absolutely. There's okay. So first of all, there's no doubt that if life is already challenging for you for whatever reason, if you already feel discriminated against, whether that's because of your race, your faith, your gender, your age, your financial circumstances, the relationship that you're in, the sexuality that you're that you're experiencing, then menopause is going to compound those challenges. And it's really important that when we look at someone going through menopause, when we talk to them, we see that whole person. We don't just see menopause, but we see everything that's going on in their life. So, you know, you say in the States, you've got about 13% of people are leaving the workforce because of menopause. Here in the UK, it's, you know, it's a very similar number. It's about 10%. However, what we know is that amongst the disabled community, that rises to 22%. We know that experiences differ, not just between individuals. You know, my experience of menopause is going to be very different to Julie Holton's, to Dr. Malayev's, and to yours, Vicky, but also that it varies across cultures too. So, for example, women of colour are three times more likely to experience an early menopause than uh, white women. In the Mayo study that was done recently, black and Hispanic women were more likely to repulse adverse work outcomes related to menopause than white women. You know, we've got the ethnicity health gap where actually white people are typically are able to access better health care and support than other minorities. So I think, you know, it's really important to look at the whole person and recognise that intersectionality plays a big part and that, you know, these, these challenges that people face for different reasons are going to compound the challenges that they experience during menopause. Dr. Malayev? So it's very interesting what Julie just said, and I'd like to build on that. With these inequities that you mentioned, there are some other things that happen, again, regarding the unpredictability of bleeding that may occur during that transition. You may be totally fine just sitting at your desk, or like I was at book club a few weeks back, and then all of a sudden you think, I hope this chair is not upholstered, because I better hurry up. Thank God the bathroom is closed. But that can happen to anybody anywhere. And again, those situations are typically exacerbated in the minority populations. I was just in Philadelphia over the weekend and I happened to walk through the city hall courtyard and there was this incredible nonprofit group bringing period awareness to people. Like they just had a mobile bus and they were just giving out like pads and tampons and hygiene and talking about awareness. And that would be incredible to kind of promote and to see for the next stage, like for the menopause. Maybe Julie has some ideas about that as a business owner. Yes, Dr. Malive, I'm so glad you brought this up. This is Julie Holton jumping in here. And, you know, let's talk about these accommodations because in the first podcast of this series, we hit on a number that if you haven't heard that episode, listen back to it. 
But we, we threw out a number of $1.8 billion, billion with a B being lost. And that's just what, you know, whoever tracks these things can, can track and, and tie back to menopause. So we're talking about real dollars connected to real people who are dealing with very real body issues here. But we're not talking about crazy accommodations. We're talking, you know, for employers about perhaps allowing more flexible work hours, temperature control, which has been brought up several times. Temperature is something that has always driven me crazy because studies show that men and women, believe it or not, bodies are different. (laughs) I think that's kind of obvious to most people (laughs) that men and women's bodies are different. Well, they actually, you know, studies have shown that men and women regardless of menopause, regardless of where their bodies are and their aging, they just do better at different temperatures. Men are more efficient, more productive at warmer temperatures, women cooler. So having adjustable thermostats, having access to heaters or to fans, depending on who we're talking about in the workplace, access to cold water. I mean, we're not talking about crazy expensive accommodations here. We're talking about putting people first and recognizing what they need in order to be comfortable on the job. And it's just so interesting to me as we're talking about confidence of women, you know, Vicki, back to your point earlier, as as you and Julie were talking about this, think about, you know, imagine a woman who her body's already going through stress, going through transitions and changes. And now we're talking about adding on to that, the stress of, oh my gosh, am I going to be in a meeting when the next hot flash happens? Or am I going to, you know, where am I going to be? Am I going to be ready? Am I going to be accommodated? Or is it going to be embarrassing? You know, talk about stress, even just thinking about it, I'm heating up because these are not conditions that anyone can control. But as employers, we can actually make workplaces more comfortable. And and it doesn't take a lot to actually make these adjustments. I like the idea of making them more comfortable and having cold water on hand, maybe having different temperatures within the building so that you can have your office in a cooler place. I've heard of some companies introducing desk fans as standard nowadays. Um, You know, even having a rest room, not a bathroom, but a rest room to go and sort of have a little time out is something that employers are bringing in. And we see a lot of that with some of these social uh, companies, Google and stuff, where they have the big bean bags and rest areas and stuff, but maybe a little bit smaller and quieter than that, you know, so you can have a a moment of quiet, just to quiet the mind and the body so that you can kind of go back and have a, a reset after you recharge. And I think that we're going to learn more in our third part of this series in terms of how we could make a workplace more menopause friendly. So this podcast series is not just for women. This is for all those who are responsible for workplace employees or just having the responsibility of a a body that is going to go through menopause and understanding how that's going to impact you. Uh, We're out of time today, but we're not out of hustle. So thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking with you. I'm learning so very much. Thank you for tuning in to 100% Hustle. I'm your host, Vicki Hamilton on the Michigan Business Network.